right, welcome to the Value Script. I'm your host, Lonnie Carmichael. And again, once again, we have the beautiful, lovely, talented, and amazing Meredith Carmichael with us today. It's basically a co-host at this point. Yeah, I mean, she needs to be a regular part of this program. Mm -hmm. Um, That was one of my ways of asking her to be part of the program, was just saying, hey, will you help me out for this first episode? I'd feel a lot better if you were there by my side. And then showing her how indispensable she was in the production of this. And so now you're kind of stuck, babe. You're, you're part of this. Thank you. That's fabulous. I love it. I think <laughs> it's great. It. <laughs> hey, a couple of things I was thinking of. The previous episode, we were talking about hormones. And one thing I, I wanted to bring up, one of the changes I see, I talked about exercise recovery. Um, exercise recovery is fantastic. In fact, the, you know, the beginning of the year where we basically lifted weights every freaking day for three months straight. And um, really, no soreness on those days really was rare if it lasted beyond one to two days. My legs seemed to constantly be sore for the first couple weeks, but we were constantly walking, running, squatting, deadlifts, all the stuff. Really didn't give them an opportunity to recover much. But after that three, two to three week period where I got back in shape to, uh, to a certain extent, when I would do a heavy, heavy leg day, and again, I would submit that if you're not doing squats, you're not doing leg day, you can justify however you want. You, you guys know who you are. Um, but uh, I would do a heavy leg day, heavy squats, and uh, within one or two days, the soreness was gone. And I feel like that is because of hormones being more idealized and muscle recovery was possible. We're able to build muscle and have our body work the, the way it would. Also, mentally, I feel much sharper and much less prone to getting into the dark side, you know, getting into the darker mentalities of the, you know, in the doldrums of your mind or conspiring against you. You have stress, you have fatigue, you have all the things, work, parenting, being a husband, all those factors. And I'm way less susceptible to the negative effects of those emotionally. And I feel that testosterone has played a huge role in that too. So it, and I, I do might be speaking of this as if it's kind of been a life changer and it has been. And I, I almost question had we gotten on top of declining, uh, really declining internal health. If we'd have gotten on top of that sooner, I wonder that we would have gotten to such a dark place in our relationship. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Meredith? Well, I definitely like, I, I think game changers for sure that I wish we would have done that sooner. We didn't know obviously, but, but that would have been really good. And also counseling. I think, um, we touched on that before, even if you feel like you don't necessarily need it, like just go, just go a few times, find out, (laughs) find out what you don't know, because, um, it kind of opens the door to be able to talk about hard things and things that maybe your spouse is feeling that you're unaware of. And um, so it's really good. And you religious leaders um, and counselors, if you ever encounter a couple and you ask the husband how their marriage is and he says it's on the rocks and you ask the wife how the marriage is and she says it's great, um, you need to pull them back together and tell them that that just happened in a constructive way, obviously. But obviously one person thinks the relationship's going another direction. You don't just ignore the fact that that happens and then don't offer any help. Just my advice from personal experience. Um, so we can get into that. We probably will get into that later inevitably. But um, that kind of leads us to one of the feedback 
items we wanted to speak to you on the show and was asked that that we address this topic. And it isn't necessarily where we were, but it's related to the dark place that we got to. And so um, it was, do you want to, you want to kind of introduce that topic and yeah. kind of how it came about? Um, yeah. So we were talking to my sister and she you had a friend. want to get that specific? She had a friend. I don't know. Do you want to? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's fine. All right. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. I'm new. Um, <laughs> we, we were talking to my sister and she had a friend who, um, kind of went through some similar things, but, um, she, for whatever reason, she had an affair and, um, she was wanting to come back together with her husband, work through it, um, and, and heal from it. And, you know, um, just have things, their marriage be in a good place. But the husband is struggling to um, be vulnerable again and to trust. And um, she kind of explained it as like, he's got this wall that I can't break through and really kind of wanted some advice um, on how to push through that. How did I push through that? How did, like, what was it like for us? Um, And what we did um, to kind of work through those emotions. Um, I think for me... Um, the biggest thing, like from the beginning, I prayed a lot, like a lot, um, just trying to seek guidance and comfort and peace and wisdom that I did not have. And, um, and if you're not religious or not, um, spiritual in that way, try meditating, like just give yourself some peaceful time every day to, to just, be alone in your thoughts and um and i think you can have a lot of spiritual guidance that way as well yeah try to connect to that divine yeah divine source of inspiration yeah yeah um that was that was huge for me because that helped keep me grounded um the other thing was um i wanted my marriage to work so for me i was not looking for a way out um and i could have had that excuse if I wanted it but I did not want that um I really and and ultimately I needed to see that too yeah I needed to see and probably consciously subconsciously or maybe more consciously than I want to admit kind of pushed you to a state where you had to decide whether you were willing to stick it out or not because I needed to see it Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that was healthy and that wasn't good. I mean, that wasn't noble that I pushed to that state or got there, but it's real. That's what happened due to how unhealthy my mental state was. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and I, I, I knew that I knew that he was not in a healthy mindset. Um, I think we both, we talked a lot. We kind of felt like your brain had been hacked and we were like just trying to, trying to work through it. And, yeah. Because and as much as I hate to admit, there was, um, there was a pull and an attraction, um, that I, I can't explain and I am not necessarily happy to say that, but it was real and it was strong and it was a tremendous draw. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever physically been addicted to anything. Um, I know that we talked about some of the more destructive behaviors I've had, but really, again, not really feeling a physical addiction there. Um, but there was a, an, emotional, an emotional addiction uh, to, to 
somebody that wasn't my wife. And uh, it happened over time, but it happened. And there was a tremendous pull that was, and, and, you know, it was almost magnetic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of psychological things that play into that as to why that happened. Um, there was, you know, love bombing. Um, there was um, certainly like um, a predatory nature with which this happened. There was a full-blown attack on our marriage, our family. Um, it was not just something that, that casually happened. It was deliberate and intentional. And, um, and in a large way, you in particular. Yes. Yeah, I um we were friends. We were friends and um and I trusted her and forgave her very early on and um we had conversations and um there was a lot of manipulation and um this person is um very very good at being convincing and and knows how to play to your emotions. Know, knew exactly how to play to my emotions, to his. Studied our family. Studied our children. Um, lots of things. Lots of just crazy things that you wouldn't think would happen that did. And um, Well, in, in my emotional state, it almost felt like finally somebody's paying this much attention to me. You know, it was... And that was part of the appeal. It was like a honestly. shark in the water, right? Shark with blood smell, in the smell water. Of blood in the water. Yes, like recognizing and recognizing. Okay, here's, here's, here's a crack. Here's where I can get in. And it was like full blown strong. <laughs> it was it was intentional and um, powerful. Um. Yeah, it it was it was it was interesting the way it, it all came to be. But um, there certainly were times like as much will as I had to to fight against it and to not let that happen. Um, I certainly went through stages where I had to reevaluate. Like, hey. Our relationship got to a place where it got pretty toxic um, and hard for me. Um, and I felt like I needed to be a psychologist to be able to, to manage the things that were happening and that weren't making sense. And um, so constantly having to check myself and like, is this good for me? Like, is this really what I want? Are we going to be able to get through this and be happy and thriving? And um, and that's where I really feel like prayer kept me grounded and helped me to... Um, Can we pause for a second? Yeah. Hey, Brig. Well, real quick to jump back into it. Yeah. Um, you, I, I, I'm just from an outside view. You had mentioned a couple episodes ago, you talked about sex drive and getting in your own head about it mm -hmm. were the not getting quote unquote not getting the attention back at home was that just in your head well or 
like, was there actually something in the relationship that was like, well, I had kind of felt from the beginning of our marriage that our libidos were totally different. Right. And we, we did discuss those things. And like we mentioned previously, not a lot changed. We would have that discussion frequently, you know? Um, and, and so that started to play back into my shame, my shame cycles in my own mind of there must be something that I'm inadequate. That's what I was kind of getting at. Right. That question probably sounded a little weird, but that's kind of what I was getting right. at. What, was it a shame? Was it the shameful like triggers that well, thought? Well, so yeah. So those compounding over years, right. Building up in my own mind, which she didn't even know. And we did talk about it though. So it's one of those things too, of just because you talk about something doesn't mean you guys both heard the same conversation. Because because what we did talk about was the difference in sex drive. You wanted me to initiate more, that kind of thing. Well, well I but, wanted you to initiate more because I wanted you to feel, I wanted to feel like you wanted me or that you liked me still, right? That's sure. why I wanted you to initiate but, more. But what we didn't talk about was how it was affecting you emotionally and how that felt to you. That like is correct. Why it was... Um, so the more in So depth. hurtful. Yeah. That is correct. Well, yeah. I mean, who's going to come forward and say, hey, I feel like, I mean, that's what you need to say, right? Is what we, you're, the, thing, the thing you're most scared to talk about is probably the thing you most need to talk about. Yeah. And the thing for me and my lack of a better term, um, you know, my inner trauma, childhood trauma, inner attachment, wounding, whatever you want to call it, having to admit to myself that I'm inadequate, that is terrifying because that's the main message that my subconscious sends me on a daily basis. I have a huge inferiority complex. So having to come face to face with that and actually, you know, I don't, I didn't bring that up probably intentionally if we dive into it a little deep enough because I didn't want to find out that maybe the answer is yes. You know, she's not into me like that, you know, and I would be afraid of like, maybe I am inadequate and, you know, we, we did talk about the physical side of it, but we did not talk about emotionally what that was doing to her, to me. Mm-hmm. Well, and we did, I did some, it was the negative effects, right? Like, you know, like, I don't know, we would talk about like, I, I felt, you know, again, one of the biggest things sexually that was frustrating was like, I always initiated the sexual encounter. Therefore, I feel like you really didn't want to have sex. And I did, and I wanted to get into a situation where it wasn't like, an emotionally traumatizing situation for you where you were just putting up with it because you're trying to be a good wife and it becomes a negative or devaluing thing for you. I didn't want that. Right. So that's one of the reasons I'd bring it up, but I also didn't come forth with the detrimental effects it was having on my psychology, the outcomes of those things. You know, I, I did talk about how it made me feel rejected or not wanted, but I didn't play deeper into how that really plays into the shame cycle there. And, all that kind of starts to push the dominoes and then you have the chain reactions in your mind. And so having those shame feelings and for years and feelings of, and maybe it was all in my head, but the rejection from my wife, what it felt like rejection from my wife, when you had somebody, you know, and this was not an intentional thing, but I was, I was in a situation that I didn't, I shouldn't have been in. I was, I was in a counseling role. I was playing a counseling role that I should have been playing with a woman my age of similar attractiveness, similar uh, mental acuity, similar socioeconomic status. And so it's super easy to subvert 
the bounds of the actual relationships. Transference. And trans- you have a transference of emotions that occur. Which we didn't know what that was. And all of a sudden you start having feelings for this person. After. And you don't know where they're coming from. So then all of a sudden, you know, it's like all oh, the mysterious feelings and what's going on. And then this person wanted that. Um, I, I would I would submit to the jury um, that that was, you know, wanting to foster some of those thoughts and feelings. And so I was susceptible to it. Like I said, you know, if you're not um, inwardly confirming those things in your spouse and to your spouse that you are in love with them, that you do want them sexually, that they, and, and, you know, maybe you don't, but you need to talk about that too and why, and then how to fix it and that you're willing to fix it, or maybe you're not willing to fix it, but you need to have honest conversations, be willing to have the hard, honest conversations, but with the intent in mind of getting to the outcome you are really looking to get to. And with you, Meredith, you wanted to stay married, right? And you wanted me. And I, and I did too um, until I started to get all confused in the middle of everything, right? But you had this this person that is starting to admire you the way you want to be admired and starting to say the things that you wanted to hear. And um, the proper thing to do as a spouse is to shut it down and to say, hey, this is inappropriate. We should not express these things to each other. We're not married to each other. In fact, we're married to other people. And... We need to, and you know, and throw ourselves into those relationships. But because of the nature of the situation we're in, we were already talking about emotional things. We were already talking about, and it wasn't inappropriate. It was, it was appropriate. But just having those conversations of talking about relationship dynamics that weren't working and suggesting things that may work, and um, really being in a, in a role I shouldn't have been playing, right? And I, I got taken out. I put myself in a bad place. I was in a susceptible frame of mind. And, and she knew that. And, and, I'm, and I must took up. advantage of it. Oh. So what made you, like, ultimately, babe, like, I kind of went through a downward spiral. There were a lot of factors there. One of the bigger factors mentally for me that did not help at the time was um, the, the, I felt very cold, strong, hard, hand, heavy-handed, and strong church discipline I went through. Um, because, you know... Prior to this happening, work was stressful and home was great. Well, once this happens, I, I destabilized our home environment and made you feel um, very insecure in our relationship and and probably you know greatly inadequate by my because of my actions. And then my kids began to feel destabilized because they could tell we were having relationship dynamic issues. So home became stressful and hard. And then now church became stressful and hard because I had a whole new bag of shame and emotions to work through. And whether those things were appropriate or not or what handled correctly or not, something for another show. But, um, you know, again, at the end of the day, I was I did something wrong and I broke the rules and I got punished for it. And that's that's okay. Right. Um, the other things, all the other circumstances, we can debate the, the, the appropriateness of those things, but not necessarily here. But the point I'm getting to is all the things that were used to be good, home, family, church, um, things to seek personal enrichment, all those things now had a painful side to them, and they were hard. And so all the things that I needed the most hurt, and all the things that felt the best were the things that were killing me. And so that was tough. So we had, how did we get through that? You know what? You amazed me in the sense that you really, I think eventually you started to question whether or not 
it was going to work out, but mm-hmm. you really never wanted to be questioning whether it was going to work out. You were determined to stay married. Is that, is that a fair thing to say? Yeah. And, and can you, and yeah. you've already kind of spoken. Well, that a little I really bit. felt like I could feel and sense what going through the church discipline did to you. And how it broke you. It broke your spirit. It broke your will. It broke, it broke a lot of things. And, um, and I felt like if I could just hang on long enough, I could get you back. And, um, and I felt like this attack from her to destroy us, I felt like, okay, I'm stronger than that. I'm not going to let you do that to my family. And I was watching her destroy you. Like, that's one thing, like... Can you edit that out? Yeah. <laughs> <Gazoon tight. laughs> I just I felt like I was stronger than that, and I was not going to let her destroy you in that way because I could see I could see the destruction as it was happening. Well, and I got to, to a me, point where I kind of wanted to just let it happen. Yeah, and we're pushing against me hard to. Like, it was like the more that I showed him love, the more angry he would get because he didn't feel worthy of it. So then I think he felt, well, I don't know, you should speak to that, not me. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I could just, I, I feel like I had a really good perspective from the beginning of what was happening, why it was happening, and that it wasn't you in a large sense. Like, you... You're a good man, and I knew that you loved me, and I knew that you wanted our family. I knew that all of this was just from trauma, unhealed trauma. And um, when you have, like, a child that grows up in an abusive home, and then they grow up and they seek out abusive relationships because it feels comfortable and safe, like... It's hard to see how that makes sense. It's like, well, gosh, it's horrible. Why would they? Why? Why do they gravitate towards that? But it's not a conscious thing that happens. It's just that's where their subconscious brain feels safe, and and I could see that happening throughout the whole thing. What became so hard was having that perspective for so long and just wearing down. And I just felt so worn down and so tired and. Um, and I got to where I felt hopeless that it was going to get better. Um, and I knew that I couldn't continue, like, towards, like, right before things got better, things were really, really bad. <laughs> like, really bad. And then, um, and then we had a breakthrough and things just. I think that's, that's how things usually are, right? Better. Yeah. It, it hits rock bottom and then that's when things start to turn. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, but you had mentioned. Uh, Sorry if I'm chiming into no, this. No, you're but great. I'm just saying, it's good. Uh, you had mentioned he kind of pushed back when you were trying to give him more love. It yeah. seemed like, yeah. Um, kind of. I'm just from an outside perspective. I'm just trying to figure out like how or like what was causing the pushback. I guess, or like was that that in, that inside unhealed trauma pushing back or was like what was causing that pushback when she was giving back it's a good question and that's something i've had to answer or ask myself um very you know with an introspective eye and even 
asking myself that recently um, and, and what that means. I, I don't know. Looking back, um, I got to the point where I was just so depressed and miserable that um, I kind of wanted the path of least resistance and not really knowing which one that was, right? Because I was in a situation where no matter what, I was going to have to move a bunch of bunch of dirt to get to the road I could get to to, to walk and, and um, have a path to make actual results happen. Um, and so it was kind of coming down to you don't get to choose not to have a hard thing. You, you, you may get to choose which hard thing you want. And, uh, um, you know, really spirituality, uh, getting back in touch with my spirituality is what helped me out with that the most. And while in counseling, understanding what was going on, healing those wounds, um, and my inner child, letting my inner child have a voice, learning to connect to that inner child, learning to actually, through meditation, um, talk to that inner child. That was didn't expect you there. That was an unexpected, um, powerful uh, spiritual experience I had one night in deep meditation. Actually, cha- I, I don't I say I was going to say channeling, but seeing in my mind me as a five-year-old and talking to that little boy. A little boy. Gosh, I hate being emotional on camera. They're going to be like, hey, this is the guy that cries every episode. <laughs> no. <laughs> you listen no. to the Lonnie Tears podcast? No, <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, this is okay because yeah. there are other people that are tuning into this show because they don't know how to get to where you guys are now. Yeah. You know, and that's a reason, that's a huge part of why you're making this podcast. Right. Is yeah. to show how you got past it and right. how you got to where you are now. But it takes that tough conversation and this deep meditation that you did to get to that point. Yeah, that was an interesting conversation. I remember it was crazy because, again, you know, it's more than just a deeper thought. And I don't know if channeling is the right term, but um, I, man, and I don't even know how to explain it. But it was, like I said, I was in a deep meditative state of mind. And I. Like a vision? Yeah, like, well, I could see, I could see myself at, at five years old, but I actually had a conversation with myself. I had a conversation with myself, but I could feel both sides of the emotions on that conversation. I could feel how, how that five-year-old felt, and I could feel how I felt now. And essentially, that five-year-old kind of looked in my eyes. And he was angry, and he was scared, and he felt alone, and he felt unloved. And a lot of those same emotions, again, that I had, you know, going back to, like, when I felt, you know, sexually um, not pursued by my wife, I would feel a lot of those same emotions. Um, and it would lead to anger and feelings of inadequacy and feelings of not being loved. And it was, it was this similar tape. And I remember looking into my eyes as a five-year-old and telling yourself, hey, hang on. You're going to have a nice life. You're going to marry an incredible woman who's going to fight like hell for you. 
fact, she is going to fight hell for you and with you and right by your side. And it's going to work out. And you're going to end up with a nice career. And you're going to have a nice life. And you're going to have a beautiful family. Just hang on. And when you can't believe that that's actually going to be the case or what's going to happen, right? Um, when you can't believe that any longer, listen, just remember these words. And, and then the other thing that was really interesting as I reflect on that experience coming out of it was I had this iron will. I remember being 10 years old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being 10 years old and riding my skateboard in our little carport. And I heard this song. It was by Travis Tritt. It said, I'm going to be somebody. And um, that song made me cry. It made me start crying. So I just thought, I'm going to be somebody. Write that down. Right. That's for that uh, episode. For the, the song episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Travis uh, Tritt. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that was, and, and I remember listening to that song and him singing that. And I just thought, man, it, so much of that resonates. And I am going to be somebody someday. I don't know why I know that. I don't know why. I believed that, though. It wasn't a thought. It wasn't a goal. It was a belief. I know someday my life is going to be significant and worthwhile. And, and that carried and you through. It like, did carry times. me through a lot of that. And so could I have actually channeled my five-year-old self? And as a healed, a more healed adult, I still have healing to do. And we probably always will. But as a, as a more enlightened adult, was I really able to go back? And talk to my five-year-old self. It really felt like it. And I don't know, but I know it made a difference. I know I felt better after that. I know I had hope and I realized I could get through it. Um, that thought sounds like manifestation, which is in a whole nother episode that we're going to talk about. Right. But you mm -hmm. saying, I know that one day I'm going to make it. Like that alone, like that's manifestation in itself. Absolutely. Like, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and not only that, but I did have gratitude for that too. It helped me hang on. That... You know, when the kids were making fun of me at school because I was, you know, again, the fat asthmatic kid with bad skin I and, and sweaty armpits because I had anxiety, you know, I just thought, you know what, it's not going to matter. You guys are going to be mowing my lawn someday. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> and not to denigrate the other person. I'm not, it wasn't that, but it was just, those are the kinds of things I would tell myself to like get through. Like, you know, I'm going to be okay. This is going to work out. You, you know, this, you making fun of me right now does not matter to my life. And um, and I, I had to have a tough skin. There were some, there were some elements in my childhood that required a tough skin and I, and they were hardened. That was one of the reasons that little boy was so angry, but, um, it was an interesting practice, but man, meditation, guided meditations. I don't know how to meditate still, but one thing I will do is go on YouTube. And, um, for some reason I like the full moon meditations. It's really grounding. You go out and sit in the grass, make sure you don't have a pile of ants that you're sitting on. I've learned as well to look for because that happened? meditating does not stop the ants from biting the heck out of your feet and legs. You did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. That's a real deal. Well, it was so cute. Like when we wanted to start meditating, we didn't know what we were doing, but our oldest daughter, Macy's like way into that. So we're like, Macy, come teach us how to meditate. Like, uh, it was so yeah. awesome. And you know, she, she was like, find a YouTube thing. Yeah. I had a powerful, powerful meditation. We've had some that great, night as well. Powerful experiences with meditation. So after that night or that meditation experience that you had, was that the turning point? Or uh, is that when you, no, no, no. Or did, did that just kick it in gear? You I know. Guess? So th that's that's one thing that that I think I can speak to a bit is healing is a journey, and so I kept thinking, okay. 
like, like we would have an amazing counseling session and I would think, oh my gosh, like that just opened, shed a light on everything. Like we're going to be fine. Like he gets it. He understands, we both understand what's going on. Like that, this is going to fix everything. And then it didn't. And one thing that I don't quite know how to explain very well, you, you might be able to better than me, but how the brain creates pathways and it is very difficult to change those pathways. Well, it's kind of like smoke smokers, right? I, I know a couple of friends that were smokers and they've been able to stop smoking. One of them though carries Tic Tacs all the time because she has to have this habit of going like this all day long. So she has Tic Tacs that she pops in her mouth and it simulates her, her action of smoking. And another smoker, um, ex-smoker friend of mine, we were at lunch the other day and he was talking about how he had a bullet casing he was found. He hadn't smoked for 20 years. And he picked up his bullet case and he was riding around the road and his friend and and this friend's truck. And his friend had the, one of those little window thingies that you could turn towards you to get the air to blow into you like the eighties trucks did, you know, that I can't remember what those were called, but, um, he said, all of a sudden I found myself taking the bullet between my fingers and just going like this and flicking the end of it. And it'd been 20 years since he'd had a cigarette. And one of the things we know about the human brain is it's kind of it wants to be efficient. I was going to call it lazy, but that's probably not the correct way to describe that. But it doesn't really want to create new neural pathways if it doesn't have to. It will. Uh, it, it would rather not have to think and figure every neural pathway out. It'd rather have shortcuts. Oh, I remember this. This is a pattern I've been in before. I can use this pathway. And it's more efficient to think. And it's just like, you know, you get entrenched into these habits because of the way your brain works and the efficiencies of being the brain. And sometimes it's not your friend. Because those habits, um, you know, like, again, with smokers, they always smoke after dinner or they always smoke in stressful situations or they always smoke on their way to work or whatever. And so at those times, it's really hard for them not to smoke because it's such an entrenched habit. Anything you're doing that is habitual like that, you have to guard yourself against um, being able to break those habits because they will suck you right back into not only the reward pathway and the addictive side of that, that the habitual pathway will suck you back in. And even and, with like your thought process, the yeah. thoughts that you think, if you're thinking negatively all the time, it's you're, well, you're gearing your brain. That would that. be a big trigger, right? It's like, okay, um, everything feels bad. You know, everything feels bad. Home feels bad. Wife feels bad. You know, church is bad. Relationship with my parents was always fantastic because they're so lovely, but I was insecure about it. And why was that? All of these things were because of me and my actions and what I was doing. So then I feel bad, right? And the only thing that feels good, what feels good? Well, escaping, not feeling, right? And, you know, you can make a phone call and hear, have this person tell you things that make you feel like what you want to feel in that moment. And that helps you escape or you can, you can drink or whatever. And those things felt good for the moment, but were the most destructive things I could have been doing, but they felt like what I wanted to feel at that time. And that made that that much more confusing and that much harder to stop. Now, what was the turning point? Did well, you say that was kind well, of what real you were quick, for? For anybody watching with uh, those habits and with how your brain works and all that, there's actually a book that you can read that is amazing called uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He talks about fire, wiring, rewiring and firing and the neural connections that your brain has made to develop these habits and how to unwire those and wire new ones. And, but anyway, just anybody listening, that's a great book to, 
for any to break any habits to work on. And you you said that book helped pretty much save your life, right? At some yeah, point. Yeah, uh, Joe Dispenza and that book literally saved my life for anxiety and depression and where when I was in a really dark place and uh was had suicidal thoughts and uh the anxiety habits really yeah. were diving in on me. Yeah, and that's you know the way that he teaches you how to manifest and and that happened. This is a helpful thing. I'll just talk about it real quick. One thing. So coincidentally enough, um, I found myself across a table eating dinner and a formal dinner with um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I had no clue who he was. I was at Ed Milet's house. We were, there was a ton of people there. I was starstruck because there was a bunch of famous people. Um, Rob Deerdick and his wife. <laughs> and Andy Frazella was there. Um, there, there, it was just, it was kind of a fun, it was a really fun evening and we're sitting there and I, I was like, I look at my friend, um, I was like, Weston, who is that? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't either, but they act like everybody's acting like they're a really big deal. I was like, yeah, I was like, why don't you introduce yourself to him? He goes, why don't you introduce yourself to him? I'm like, you know, <laughs> I mean, and the funny thing is we're at this high level business entrepreneurship conference and we're too afraid to introduce ourselves to people across the table from us because I don't know, it was just kind of <laughs> looking back, you know, that I would have liked to have that moment back because now the next day I go to, to our, our lectures and Dr. Joe blew our brains about the power of your mind and no pun intended the <laughs> ability. Oh no, I mean, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And, and the possibilities of using your mind to help heal and retrain, um, retrain yourself, but to help yourself become what you've always wanted to become and to, and also using the tools that God has given us in this world to conspire, help them conspire to have the universe provide those things you're seeking to obtain. And, and, you know, God loves us enough that he has created a very complex environment for us to thrive and grow in. And it's one of the things that powers those things. You know, we talk about faith and really gratitude, I think is the ultimate faith like like the, that young boy like i knew like i had you know I, I think we need to talk about this in an episode but i had faith that things are gonna be great but it wasn't just faith like i knew i think both your cameras just shut off i may be wrong but that one did for sure and that one made a noise uh, i was still on anyway you know and so um th that's in manifesting and wanting to create your future the be, if you want your future to be different than the past, you have to change what you think about. And one of the reasons you're stuck in a rut is because you're continually thinking of the things in the past. And as you continually focus on the things in the past and that's what you dwell on, you're going to manifest those similar behaviors, the similar um, outcomes and the similar actions that lead to the same results that you're not happy with. But you continue to do that over and over because that's your focus. And so if you can change that focus and change it to thinking about what your ideal world would be, whatever that is, that's why vision boards are so powerful. You get to see every day these ultimate goals you have. And the more you look at them, the more you bring attention to them into your brain, your reticular, reticular activating system in your brain goes to work, absorbing information and, and remembering contacts of people that can help you get um, to the correct opportunity so that you can have those things in your life. And as you continually focus on those things with the gratitude of having already received them, you will help align the entire universe and, and 
bringing it to you those things you want most. And unfortunately, while I was stuck, I was focusing on all the crap. I was focusing on all the bad. And, um, and in order to get out of that, I had to start focusing on what we wanted. What is the ultimate goal? And again, answering the question of your, your sister's friend, um, really, you know, you both have to sit down and decide what you ultimately want. And if you ultimately want to have a happy marriage together, then it's possible, okay? So then you have to decide how, to, how you're going to go to work to get that. But if you ultimately are both not on that same page, that's the first step. You need to be on the same page. And if you can come together, and as hard as it is, and with as much humility as it takes, if you can come together and in love, decide you want to stay in, in love and stay married, then, then and, and, that, and that's the most important thing to you. If that's true for both of you, you have a chance. Um, there's certainly a lot of dynamics that, to work through and a lot of things that we want to discuss um, to um, help people get through, you know, similar or hard things like this. Um, but it definitely need more time to be able to do that. So um, we'll definitely cover this again on a future episode and probably end this one here. Thanks for watching. Tune in next time. Don't forget, clicky click. <laughs> like and subscribe. That's going to be the tag. And then now. share. Right. <laughs> clicky click. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. We appreciate it. Hope we, uh, if you found value in this episode, please pay it forward. <laughs>